You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome back to another Spotify Green Room Q&A here. Uh, Detroit Lions talk here on our Pride of Detroit podcast feed. My name is Jeremy Reisman. I'm the editor-in-chief of Pride of Detroit. If you don't know what this is, we do Saturday morning Q&As with Lions fans to talk Lions right here on the Spotify Green Room app downloaded on uh, whatever platform you, you have. It's available um, with me, as always, two co-hosts. First, let's go to Ryan Matthews at Ryan underscore POD, senior editor at Pride of Detroit. How are we doing, Ryan? I'm doing fantastic, and you're doing wonderful, honey. <laughs> Thanks. I rebounded really good there. Right? And you did. to know that there was a first take that was not recorded for the podcast. It was really reminiscent of like a train just starting and chugging and chugging. <laughs> and then it was just and then it was just right right on its way. You're you're awesome. Oh, appreciate that. That that didn't sound condescending at all. Um, <laughs> our other co-host, who is laughing in the chat room at me, Eric Schlitt is here as well at Eric Schlitt on Twitter, the managing editor of Pride of Detroit. Eric, how we doing, dude? Uh, good morning. How are you doing this morning? <laughs> Thank you. I'm doing fantastic. That is great, man. I'm happy to hear that. <laughs> Well, <laughs> all right. We I don't know what's happening right now. Let's let's just jump into it. This is our final Spotify green room before training camp. I would call it the final Spotify green room of the off season because things are actually going to start happening Wednesday. Um, I'm very excited about it. I hope you all are excited about it. We have a ton of people requesting to join us, so we're just going to jump right into it. We've got first Dan is on the line. Our good friend Dan. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing well, Jeremy, and uh, I honestly, Ryan didn't lie, that first take was just awesome. I'm glad to take that with me today. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> but I, I also wanted to just be a British prick and say, I believe it's Schadenfreude, so we can do Schadenfreude. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not actually sure I've got a question, but I I'm, I'm just want to say, hey, and, and thanks for a fantastic summer. But um, yeah, I, I'd, be, uh, I'd be interested to to see um what you guys think about aaron Rodgers, and i'll just uh, sign off thanks guys all right dan thanks for the compliment uh yeah let, let's jump into the aaron Rodgers stuff because that is hot right now on a saturday morning because friday was an eventful day for the packers first it comes out that Devonte adams uh has cut off contract talks with the packers and things are in a bad place between him and the packers then it comes out that sports books are taking the Packers off the board for a lot of bets because they believe Aaron Rodgers is going to retire next week. And then at the crack of midnight, Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams get together. They post a, a picture of Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan clearly referencing the last dance. The question is whether this is the last dance in 2021 or if that last dance has already happened. So... Ryan, I want to throw it to you because I know you got some takes on this. What is going on in Green Bay right now? Chaos, and we should all just revel in it. You know, <laughs> yeah. Like it, it's it's about time that we we see some dysfunction happening uh, over in Green Bay, like some true, honest to goodness, just chaos. And you know, I, I saw that you uh, you either retweeted or you liked a tweet from Andrew Brandt, who is. <laughs> Who had it? Who had a tweet this morning? I was like, you know what? I'm so glad I'm not part of that Packers front office now because it's just drama. Yeah. And uh, you know what? I, I think that's the perfect way to encapsulate it. I know um, it, it wasn't it wasn't Florio, was it? It was uh, MDS who had the yeah. uh, the post about how you know it would be so much easier if the 
if the big boys, Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers, would, would use their words instead of sending cryptic messages um, like this, you know, photo of, of Pippen and, and Michael Jordan kind of referencing the last dance uh, to, to just say what their intentions are. But you know what? I think at this point, Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers, they're they're playing this the way that they need to play it. And all the cards are in their hand and they can they control everything. And you know, Wednesday, I'm just as excited for Lions training camp to start <laughs> as I am to see what the hell is going to happen in Green Bay. Like it's almost it's almost more exciting, like to be honest, just because this is going to change the landscape of the NFC North. As we know it, because Jeremy, you mentioned that not only did the sports books take off Green Bay uh, in terms of like their season props and playoff odds and, and things like that, but like they took everything in the NFC North off the books. Like right. it, it was one of those things where it's like this would have this would have an impact that's far reaching and far greater than just you know the Green Bay Packers. It's it's the NFC North. It's I, I think they they even adjusted. Um, the MVP odds for Patrick Mahomes because I mean right. if I mean that's that's how big this would be if Aaron Rodgers doesn't end up playing for the Green Bay Packers and I you know what <laughs> I'm still not willing to say it's done because I feel like that's just jinxing it um, but it it certainly seems like there's no repairing this relationship between the two of them because. Even Aaron Rodgers wasn't willing to to you know renegotiate his contract and make himself like the highest paid player in football. Right. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm with you. I I really feel like the interpretation of this this Instagram bomb. It really feels to me like, all right, well, if if you guys aren't going to negotiate it with us, we're going to make one last run at this and then and then blow it all up. Like, I feel like they're both sticking around for one more year, but I'm curious what you think, Eric. Is that is that your interpretation of yesterday's events as well? Well, you know, I think if, if Rodgers really wants to be a baller, he will retire on the eve of training camp by faxing his retirement letter <laughs> to a uh, newspaper across the river from Green Bay. Um, I'm shaking <laughs> right now. <laughs> um I, look, I, I'm in the same boat as, as you are, I believe, Jeremy, in the fact that I'm not willing to believe anything at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, this is this offseason has been relatively quiet compared to previous ones, but there's always some sort of drama like this in the in the NFL. Like yeah. the the thing is, is there's there's more than just the Packers going on that is creating like massive drama around the league. You got you got Bills players fighting on social media over vaccination statuses. Um, you have this Deshaun Watson. That, you have the, right exactly. You got all of this stuff. Uh, that is, it, there's so much stuff coming to a head right now because it's like, uh, you've got a week left. And so it's like, everybody's unloading all of their drama right now to, uh, yeah. ahead of training camp. So uh, again, I, I don't know how much I trust the website that is reporting, uh, that he's going to retire. And I think that's part of my trepidation. Um, also I think as a, as a Lions fan, I don't believe it. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. Right. It, just cause it just wouldn't be in the Lions realm of luck. Uh, but man, it, it sure looks like things are, I mean, dissolving, right? I mean, I don't know. How, I don't know how else to look at at it but i'm 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 willing to be more patient before i start to get my hopes up that's for certain well, i i think there, there's one thing i want to say about the whole sports book thing and uh like chris dropped a tweet in our slack that that really goes to the point but like the idea that all these sports books are taking these odds off the off the line and not making them bettable like it doesn't necessarily mean that somebody has like intel that like rogers is going to retire i think what it is is i think it's sportsbook saying like we really don't know what's going to happen so like let's cool the jets on this for a weekend and then we can go back to betting as as usual like on wednesday when we find out whether or not rogers shows up to training camp like i think that's really like vegas kind of like safeguarding itself rather than throwing caution to the wind you know what i mean like it's a business yeah. and, uh, and, and you got to follow where the money goes. But I, I, I truly think that 
they wouldn't take it off the books completely unless there wasn't something going on or they were worried about something. You know why? Because Vegas wants your money. <laughs> <laughs> and you would know that more than any of us, I suppose. Because they have a lot of mine. Thank you. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's move on from the Rogers talk. Let's bring in our next caller. Michael is here. Michael, how are we doing today? Doing great. I got to tell you how important you guys are to me. I have one live notification that pops up out of all my apps on my phone. It's you guys in the green room. Aw. <laughs> Thanks, I'll, man. That's, that's great. Or my cup of coffee. So, uh, <laughs> nice. I, I appreciate you guys a lot. Um, I, have a, I have a serious question versus my normal stuff. I'm cautiously optimistic about the defensive backfield, looking at how criminally mismanaged they were last year. Um, and the total lack of pressure is that like, you know, is that out of out of left field? I think Walker was mismanaged. Poor Okuda got stuck with the top, what the top four uh, wide receivers for coverage in the first month and a half. Um, you know, or Warrior, yeah, didn't have a great year, but when you're covering guys for you know a minute and a half every pass play, you know how much of that was his fault. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you bring up a, a great point, Michael, and it, it's really one of the more fascinating storylines that, that's going to play out this year because you're right. Like, I feel like everything went against last year's team in terms of their secondary. I mean, we've had Eric say multiple times how they keep bringing Tracy Walker closer and closer to the line of scrimmage, even though he's better further and further away from it. And then you're right. Like, Jeff Okuda did not had, – had basically the worst – set up for uh, for a rookie season because he was thrown to the fire because he was dealing with an injury because he was dealing with a with a coaching staff that that put him on an island a lot and and you just wonder and 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 now you look at this year and it seems like everything is set up in, in the opposite direction everything is, is working in their favor they've they've added some guys that can pass rush they've They've brought in a coaching staff that, that focuses specifically on the secondary. Aaron Glenn is, is very highly thought of. And, and now, you know, there's even some depth there, uh, at least a little bit. And, yeah, I, I think I, – I don't know if I'm high on, on the defensive backs yet, but I do feel like there is plenty of reason to believe they'll be a lot better than they were last year. Yeah, I, I think I think Michael nailed it when he said that they had to, the corners were asked to cover for a minute and a half. Um, that was really the biggest catalyst for me in in what was holding this secondary back is when you don't create pressure up front and you're forcing these guys to cover, you can't cover for six seconds. It's just not like it's just not realistic, and that's what they were asked to do a lot of the time. And and that extra time and coverage really. I think made them look worse than they are because you'll, you'll, you know, if you look at the all 22, you can see that they're in good positioning or, you know, they're, they're in the good spots at the beginning of the routes and then it, it, you know, dissipates. And, and some of that is because you're asking them to play man, uh, quite a bit. And some of it's because, like I said, like Michael said, lack of pressure. Um, but I, I, I do, I'm with you, Jeremy. I, I think the split safety scheme is, uh, is going to give them some help over the top, and that's only going to ha- make the, the situation better at corner as well. The trick, I think, to the secondary and determining if it's going to be successful is really going to come down to the safety play because the corners will be in a better spot. The corners have more talent than the safeties. The pressure should be there more than it was, I mean, at least in theory, right? So – the safeties are my biggest concern, and I guess that's not you know that's that's on brand for us this uh, this off season. But if the safeties play well, that helps the corners. If the pass rush plays well, that helps the corners. It's but you know we gotta you gotta see how it works uh, in on the, at the very last spot. You know with uh, Tracy Walker and whoever ends. Ryan, I know you're a big Aaron Glenn fan. Um, it, do you have an idea of, of what you think? Like if you had to rank the Lions secondary, where do you think they finished the year or, or maybe what their ceiling is? Okay, good question. Um, I, I, I think that if I were to rank where their ceiling is, I would probably put it like in the like 18 to 22 range. Like okay. I think that like maybe their absolute ceiling could be like just a little bit below league average. But I think that that would be a massive improvement. And sure. we, we, t- we talk about how much depth that this team has. It's depth, but it's really young depth, 
right? Like, I mean, they brought in Quentin Dunbar, they brought in Corn Elder, but beyond that, it's like a lot of young guys. And um, I think there's just going to be a maturation process. I think that the difference between Matt Patricia a year ago and this defense now is that I think that there's going to be this sense of like actual building and, and maturing and developing where it seemed like things were going like, especially for like somebody like Tracy Walker, we talk about so, so often, like it was just backwards. Um, you know, it, it was, it was, it was, uh, you know, um, de-evolving. It was, it was not great. And, um, I, I guess the one, the one question that I kind of have that I'd like to hear, you know, both of you guys talk about a little bit is, the nickel cornerback, I think, is probably the most interesting subplot to the defensive backfield for me. I, I know Eric is is really excited and, and intrigued by what's going on at the safety position, but I, you know, Lions bring in Cornelder, but beyond that, like, where else do you see the Lions counting on their nickel corner depth? Yeah, well, I mean, it, it looks like Mike Ford might might be the the other competitor there, based on what we saw in, in minicamp. And yeah, I, I think that's important. I mean, we we when the Lions signed Justin Coleman, we all banged the drum about how important the nickel corner position was in today's NFL because everyone loves to spread them. So, yeah, I think you're right. Like that's an underrated uh, position to to look for, and maybe maybe a potential sign of weakness because the Lions don't have a ton of experience there. And and I I, I think. I think you're you're probably right, and, and that's probably where the the lines end up being is in that just kind of below average area. And I, I know there are probably a lot of people thinking like, no, no, this could be a ten top ten unit or something like that. But I think the thing to remember here is one, like you said, there's a bunch of young guys. Two, these guys aren't necessarily that well versed in in the scheme that's coming. There, there's a lot of guys that yeah, that, uh, this is know, all are, new. Yeah, this is this is new for everybody exactly. And so like. Yes, I expect Jeff Kuda to take a jump. Do I expect him to take a jump into the top 10 corners in the NFL? No, I don't. Same with Tracy Walker. Like, yes, we, we know Tracy Walker has talent. Yes, he could potentially be, you know, an above average, maybe even great safety in this league, but it's not going to happen overnight. So um, I'm with you there. And, and, and yeah, with, with Nickel, I think that's a, another area of concern to, that'll prob- that should probably temper expectations a little bit in, in year one of this regime. So you're, you were talking about ceiling of where this team can reach and keeping expectations in check. Uh, if you look at the DVOA of the Saints secondary, when Glenn took over his first year in 2016, their DVOA was 27th against mm-hmm. the pass. Against the pass, the following four seasons with Aaron Glenn, they were fifth, twelfth, tenth, and third. So it takes. It's going to take time, but the turnaround is really fast. Uh, with Aaron Glenn, and that's why he's gotten so much hype. So, you know, I, I am expecting a similar path. I believe they are expecting a similar path of sure. having some problems in that first year, but then being able to, you know, have get people comfortable in the system, add some more talent to it, and then a, a quick turnaround in year two. That's kind of my overall expectations of the secondary. All right. That was a great conversation. Thanks for the question, Michael. Always coming in with the good questions. Uh, let's hit one more before we go to our first break. We got John on the line. John, how you doing, buddy? Not too bad. Um, I wanted to get back on the uh, Green Bay Packers. Sure. Um, I guess I look at how much we're going through this year to build our culture and to create the uh, the chemistry on the team. And I look at Green Bay and it's like, how can they have any chemistry when you're Two stars are basically fighting with management and both wanting to leave. I'm thinking, even if they stay now, it's got to be dramatic to that team, doesn't it? Or- That's a great question, John, because, uh, I mean, I was actually reading some Calvin Johnson quotes uh, this morning from his, his press conference, and he was talking about how he his last season, there were some games like he took off. Like, he just he did not feel it. He wasn't comfortable being in. He didn't want to be there. And it affected his place. So I, I think that's certainly possible. I guess the question with Aaron Rodgers to me is how long has this been going on? Because this isn't the first year in which we've heard of his discontent. And he's managed to kind of compartmentalize and, and play the, play pretty darn well in the past few years, uh, despite obviously some um, contention in, in the background. Um, but I'm curious as to, as to what you guys think. Do you think even if Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers – uh, end up sticking around for at least one more year. Uh, is there still trouble in, in paradise behind the scenes that could affect their their performance? 
it's it, it. I think it would be naive to say no that there it's not possible. But at the same time, um, NFL locker rooms tend to be you know closer than you know what we see from the outside. Right? They they mm-hmm. preach family and and and. It, these are two leaders on their team. And so if they show up, which Adams has said he will, uh, but if they show up, uh, it really d- depends on, on how they react. If they, if they say, Hey, we're going to make that, that last run, you know? So if it is like you start at the top, if this is their last dance this year, they're going to want to make the most of it. And right. so, um, I could definitely see them trying to parlay that into, this is our last dance. Let's make it, you know, let's make the Super Bowl run right here and then we'll see what happens next year. So I could see it going either way, really. Like you could see it tear the locker room apart, but at the same time, you could see it unify because, they want to uh they may want to accomplish something you know before it happens i mean now that this all gets thrown out the window if if rogers retires but right. um i i think the locker room won't be because they're veterans and because there's a lot of veterans and i don't think it'll be as disheveled as um you know we would expect it anything to add there ryan yeah well i i think i think kind of to eric's point like Aaron Rodgers really seems to me like obviously that focused leader that, you know, we always talk about how he's laser focused. He's always prepared on game day. It looks like he's always locked in, dialed in. Like if this is Aaron Rodgers last season and he wants to kind of rally the troops, like this is a perfect way to galvanize everybody is to just be like, Hey, like this is the last dance. Like this is the last opportunity that I'm going to take in my NFL career and it's going to be here and it's going to be with you guys. Like what would be a more motivating factor than that? Like that's just, yeah. I mean, that, that would be something that, you know, I, I think between Rogers and Devonte Adams and like, I mean, if Devonte Adams is cutting off contract talks with the Packers, you know what he's going to do this season, right? Like he's going to ball the fuck out. Like, <laughs> yeah. He, he has every incentive to, to, you know, earn as much of that bag as he can. So like, I, I truly think that this could be something that could not tear the team apart, but it could like truly, truly set them on like a war path. Well, the the positive spin on that from the the Lions' point of view, like, yeah, get that war path out of the way this year while we're still rebuilding, <laughs> and then we'll see what happens next yes. year. Yes, <laughs> but guys, wouldn't you wouldn't you think, with management's point of view, that wouldn't it be an opportunity now just to get clean house themselves and get rid of everything? before they kind of unravel. Like, I'm looking at almost from a management point of view, I wouldn't want the guys on my team anymore. Um, maybe there's a chance they're going to play that last mile, but I'm just thinking, boy, you can ship off Aaron Rodgers and get an awful lot for him right now because there's a lot of teams that'll pay a hefty price for him. But um, Yeah, I mean, I, I think you're right there. I just feel like that, that ship has sailed at this point. Like, I, I don't know... If- I think every team is just kind of preparing at this point to play as they are. And, and I don't know if Aaron Rodgers' value really dips that much if they trade him next year, right? Like, Because I think that's what everyone is kind of – everyone that doesn't think it's he retires this year thinks that they just part ways mutually next year. And, I mean, if, if he goes on a warpath this year, I don't think his trade value is going down at all. Okay. Yeah, and I, I think also to that point, John, is the lot or the, the Packers have already drafted his successor, right? Like, and I think that that was kind of like the that was the impetus for you know a lot of Rogers, I guess, problems with the front office is to see his team move up in the first round to draft his successor. And I, I, I get what you're saying in the sense that you might as well cash in and try to get the most value for Aaron Rodgers now. But at the same time, this is a team that was like a couple of bad plays from Kevin King away from making the Super Bowl. Like, I I mean, how much do you really want to peel it back? If you have an opportunity to go win a Super Bowl, like, just go do it. That's fair. All right, let's take our – All right, thanks, John. Appreciate the question, man. Uh, We'll take our first break here. When we come back, we're going to answer more of your Lions and maybe Packers questions as we head a week away towards Lions training camp. Stick with us. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. We're back here doing our Lions Q&A live on the Spotify Green Room app every Saturday morning. Come join us. Make sure you're following Pride of Detroit, and you'll get a notification every time we go live. Um, let's jump right back into things. We've got Rockney on the line. Hopefully I'm pronouncing that right. Rockney, are you there? Yeah, can you hear me? Yep. Hey, Jeremy. Uh, hi, everybody. First time caller. Uh, my question is... What position group is most likely uh, to send management and coaches into a panic after the first or second exhibition game? And the context I have for this question is, you know, we got new coaches, new players, uh, new offensive, defensive schemes. And if iron uh, sharpens iron, yeah, maybe the opposite's true when we've just got lines going against lions and no, uh, you know, uh, cross team practicing going on. Uh, and, uh, you know, what if there's a position group battle, uh, in practices where we have like a kind of a, an average position group masking a really bad one. That's an interesting question. Um, I, I think, I think it's a, it's a pointed one too, because, you know, the, the lines coaches might have some preconceived notions about their players, but pads are coming on and that's a, that's a completely different ball game. Um, I, I'll throw it to you first, Eric. Do you think there's a position group that, that might underwhelm in these first week or two of training camp that the lines might be like, we got to find someone on, on the, uh, on the waiver wire or something? I, I mean, you know my answer, right? Like, I, I feel like <laughs> I I've been I saying this. <laughs> safety, I, I, yeah, yeah. It's I, I, the safety talent just doesn't is not there. Um, but uh, on the plus side, that's arguably where you have two of your stronger coaches, right? So mm-hmm. I, I, I don't. When he when the, uh, when Rockney originally asked the question, he said, "Which one will send the coaches staff into a little bit of a panic?" I actually think those are the two coaches that won't panic. You know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah. while safety is the weakest point, I don't expect that uh, them to get. I, maybe management will will panic and be like, "Uh oh, you know, we got to re- we got to upgrade this uh, Dean Marlowe Will Harris um, competition here." But um, I think the coaches are going to be. They're going to be able to adjust. I think there's good coaching at weak spots on this team, but yeah, the safety is definitely the 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 hole that needs to be uh, filled in a little bit. Ryan, do you have a, a different answer? I know you definitely agree with the safety stuff, but um, any, any other position that might be a little scary out there for the first week or two? Yeah, I'm 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 pretty nervous about the linebacking. I'm I'm pretty nervous about that that group just mm-hmm. kind of as a whole. I mean, I. We know what Jamie Collins is kind of capable of, but then again, we, we've seen how season to season Jamie Collins can be too. Like, I mean, when he was in a good situation in New England, it was great, and then he went to Cleveland and it was bad, and then comes back and reunites with Matt Patricia in Detroit, like, and, and, and things work out. I mean, he seems like such a touch-and-go player, and he's kind of viewed as, like, the linchpin or the proverbial, like, you know, prettiest pig at the, at the, you know, at the fair, but it's like, there's, there really isn't a whole lot of depth there. They're counting on Alex Anzalone to play like significant time. And that's a guy who's really dealt with injuries and there really isn't a whole lot of depth there. I mean, they're, they're almost counting on Jalen Reeves Maven to be a contributor when the only thing he's really contributed to is special teams in his career. So, uh, you, you, you know, I, I think Rocky brings up a good point about like the opposite of, you know, iron, sharpening iron like that's just one of those things where like you could really see the the linebacking group kind of get exposed in training camp whether or not it's um you know 
dealing with the running backs and routes and things like that. Yeah. And, I mean, that, that that's a group that I, I, I would maybe even argue it's right up there with like 1A and 1B with, with safety. Yeah, and, and I think you, you nailed it there at the end there. We, we saw a little bit of it during rookie minicamp of just the, the running backs just absolutely demolishing the linebackers in, in route running. And, and to be fair, that that's a tough matchup for anybody when the Lions got two good route runners coming out of the backfield. But I, I know this isn't quite answering the question that was asked, but I'm kind of fascinated to see what the narrative is that comes out of the matchups between the wide receivers and the cornerbacks because you, you look at on paper, you're like, well, we just talked about it. We think the cornerbacks are, are probably going to take a big step this year, but how big? But when they're going up against what is perceived to be a, a weakness of the Lions, uh, Lions roster and the wide receivers, do we come out of training camp thinking higher of the of the Lions secondary than maybe they actually are? Or maybe, you know, if, if the wide receivers dominate early, what's the narrative out there? Is, is it that the Lions wide receivers are better than advertised? Or is it that the Lions secondary is still struggling? What's going on? Like, I'm, that to me, I always love watching wide receivers versus cornerbacks, but I'm just very interested to see what the narrative will will be coming out if if one you know side dominates the other. I think it will be whatever the person running writing the article will want it to be. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I'm not lying, right? Yeah. Like because what we saw in spring camp was one day the receivers. Yeah. won the day and yeah. the next day the corners won the day and it, it it would not be surprising at all to see that carry over where different days are going to mean different teams are coming up and and in this scenario when you're only practicing against yourself you can twist that to whatever perspective you want right True. and so it, it's the hard part about um writing observations is that you're you're complimenting one part of the team at the same time you're you know disparaging the other part of the team and and depending on who's reading it and again who the readers involved here too the reader's going to see that and some of them are going to say yeah great for the receivers and the other ones are going to say oh but the secondary is terrible like it's all about perspective and and so i don't think we're going to get an answer the narrative is going to be whatever the person writing or reading you know wants it to be yeah, that's a really good point, and probably one that people should keep in mind when they're reading observations over the next month. Unless it's Carlos. <laughs> My God, who Carlos reads Carlos? article today that I actually agreed with. Okay. <laughs> oh, whoops. Uh, myself. <laughs> I feel like you have to for your job, right? Like, uh, that's, a little, that, a little bit. that is part of uh, uh, being informed, hey, right? Hey, hey. <laughs> to be Rod fair. Wood, to be- Rod Wood. Calvin Johnson would walk right past him. Yep, that that is the article that I read. For just so that we're clear, I read. Uh, you know, I didn't know that it was his article to begin with, and uh, it was about Kelvin. Johnson. I like how, they're sneaky. They're, up for him. they're sneaky like this. I, I like how you. I like how you have to admit it. Like you like. <laughs> I well, like. Yeah, uh, I do. Like a like, cone like of you, shame. Like like you relapsed or something. Like, I, I I don't know. Like it, it just happened. I had no control. <laughs> Uh, all right, Rockney. Thank you uh, for calling in. Appreciate you being a, a first-time caller. Hopefully, the first of many. Um, let's bring in. Uh, let's bring in Mike next. Mike, are you there? Mike, you're on. How about Mike? Check one, two, one, two. <laughs> I'll allow it. <laughs> uh. Doesn't look like Mike is here yet. Uh, if you need to jump on back again, go ahead and, and re-enter the queue. Um, but let's go to our uh, let's go to our questions from the site because we've had a we had a bunch we had a whole long conversation there. Um, JFS3S with only three preseason games, will Game Two or Game Three be the starter showcase game? Now, obviously, none of us know the answer to that yet. But I'm curious as to what you guys think the the strategy might be there because. Yeah, it's a it's a whole new ball game with preseason this year. Anyone got an opinion on that, Ryan? I'll, I'll let you have first crack at it. Okay, yeah. So I mean, what traditionally, like when there were four games, third game was dress rehearsal, fourth game was the opportunity for all the kind of bubble players to to shine, to have their Carrie Hyder moment, right? Um, yep. But uh, yeah, it, it's an interesting wrinkle now. Now that you have three games, it would almost be safe to assume 
that game two would be the dress rehearsal and game three would would you know take over that uh you know bubble watch kind of kind of game but um you know i i'm trying to weigh the pros and cons in my head of potentially pushing that game to have to be game three but it, it seems like it just makes more sense for that dress rehearsal game to be game two but at the same time you look at i mean it's only their second game Right. So, I mean, it's only their, their second game uh, of the preseason. So I, I could really see it, I think, going either way. Yeah, I, I agree with you. I think one of the things that I, I, that, um, I think is going to be a factor is how far away are you from the start of the season as yeah. well? Like, do you want to see where the starters are? on the 21st or the 27th knowing that you're not going to play you're playing a, an actual game on the the 12th right so if you if you make it week two as your dress rehearsal well you got three weeks before you're yeah. actually playing the game that's a long stretch so it's a big break yeah yeah I, I i'm inclined to say it's it should probably still be game three but then at the same time like you said it's that's the dress rehearsal for the uh for for the the bubble guys and so you know you're you're cutting your roster from 80 to 53 after that game so you're going to need to know you know what they bring to the table you're going to have just three two practices before you have to make that decision after that third game so there's there's not a lot of uh opportunity so it's it's it is really hard to say i i wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing uh you know like them using the starters in the the first half of week two of uh, preseason game two, and then you know maybe use them in the first half again of uh, the third one because I don't think there's really any you know script, and and we might actually see like one team using their starters and the other team using their backups just because there's no script. No president. To yeah, there's no president. Yeah, I I, th- I think. You, you've got you brought up really all the the important points there, and, and I just want to reiterate one, which is that there is that extra week now between the last preseason game and the regular season that I'm not sure everyone's quite aware of yet, and it's going to take some get, getting used to from fans because we're used to going straight from the preseason to the regular season, no break, but there's that extra week in there now where where teams get an extra week of practice, but we have an extra week to just like wait it out, and uh, you're right, it, and I think that that coincides perfectly here because yeah, you're right, like doing that dress rehearsal three weeks out or four weeks out or whatever it was instead of, you know, the normal uh, week shorter than that is, is a huge deal. Um, these, you want to blow off the rust, but you also want to make sure you blow it off closest to the season. So you don't acquire more rust. And so, yeah, I don't, I don't really know. Maybe, maybe you're right in that. Maybe they're just like, there isn't this clear dress rehearsal game anymore. Maybe they're just kind of, maybe, maybe the, the starters get a quarter in every game. A full quarter, or maybe they get a full half in each game, or or, or whatever it will be. But I, I think I think it's quite possible that the you know the the idea of a clear dress rehearsal game might not be around anymore. Yeah, and and maybe it might even be like drives. You know what I mean? Like I, I think typically, like sometimes in that in that last preseason game, you'd see like them do like one drive and then they'd be done. Well, yeah. maybe it's like maybe it's like three drives. Or, you know, whatever. So, yeah, it'd be interesting to see how, how things shake out. Um, another question from JFS uh, is, project one player on offense and defense that will make the final 53-man roster that is not currently expected. I, I feel like we've answered a similar question to this before, um, but I'll let you guys think on it for a second. Um, I think if I had to project, I, and this is interesting because I was going through kind of the the ranking of the Lions roster um, that, that, you know, series that's going on today. And uh, I wrote up on 71 through 80 today and I looked at a couple guys and I'm like, these guys are really low on the list, but it's possible they, they really make the team. And I guess, I guess maybe my answer is D'Angelo Amos. Like I'm not, you know, me, I'm not a huge UDFA guy, but we know that the lines are, are, are shallow at the safety position. And we know D'Angelo Amos was a heck of a punt returner in college. So I think that's, I mean, the, that's how you make a roster, right? Like you, you find a, a position that that's kind of weak and you find a, a, a role on special teams and you're there. And so, you know, Amos is, is behind a couple guys in the punt return rotation right now. But, you know, if, if he, if the pads come on and he shines, um, it wouldn't completely surprise me to see him break in. Uh, I'll take a guy on offense to start here. Um, Evan Brown 
is uh, the mm-hmm. center guard uh, behind. Right now, he he was the guy who took over, essentially replaced Joe Dahl uh, down the stretch, and um, got a futures deal over the at the end of the season. And, and now he's you know has some competition from from some UDFA's, but he's an experienced uh, what third or fourth year in the league. He's has some starts under his belt. And um, he's a guy that I think most people are kind of dismissing because they're saying, well, Drake Jackson has a, has a better ceiling at center. And so he should out, he could out, you know, pace him. Or maybe Tommy Kramer is a guy who uh, ends up making the roster uh, right. over him as well. But I think we're kind of overlooking the fact that Evan Brown is a very, very versatile player. And he's not someone that I think people are going to be like, oh, we, we have to keep him. But, um, He's a guy who can play multiple spots on the interior, and uh, that's where there's not a lot of veteran uh, depth. So I, I think Evan Brown could be one of your final uh, 53 guys. Ryan, you got any dark horse guys that you like on either side of the ball? Yeah, my, my dark horse guy is uh, born out of our conversation we had with Jamal Williams. If you haven't had a chance to check that out, you probably should. But uh, what about Alex Brown? Sure. Defensive, defensive back. I mean, uh, I mean, hasn't gotten a whole lot of playing time. Uh, played for Kansas City, didn't get any snaps in 2020, but played in 2019. And um, he could be a guy that maybe sinks his way into the roster as a maybe a special teamser. Um, but uh, maybe um, you know, things go sideways, things go south, and maybe maybe the uh, defensive backfield needs some needs some snaps. But I, I could definitely see him being a uh, special teams contributor if the uh, Lions want to go that route. All right, uh, let's take our second break here. When we come back, we're going to close out our final uh, Spotify Green Room uh, pre-training camp edition uh, of the podcast. So stick with us right now. We'll be right back. Closing out here at the, on the Spotify Green Room app, Detroit Lions preview training camp Q and A edition. Uh, John is back as well, so let's talk to John again. Good day, guys. Um, just from maybe similar to your last question, as you had your dark horses, I guess I was just wondering, like Victor Boland is one guy. I'm I'm not sure if he's going to make the team, but I'm really hoping there's him and Jacobs are the two players. I've got a real kind of draft crush on that I'm hoping are going to make the team and going to be some uh, um, going to make some damage I guess this year and whether it's on the field like during the season like actually make the 53 is there um, do you have any sort of crushes on the team that you think might have a good chance to sort of break on the roster and actually maybe contribute this year Ooh, your crushes I love crush talk um, who your, your camp darlings your guys that think that uh, and and to be fair, the question isn't just you know Camp Darling guy who might actually contribute and, and, and break through this year. Um, Eric, you got a guy in mind that you think that, that you, I know you tend to have some good crushes that that end up paying out. So I'm curious to see if uh, if you got anybody in mind. The Sean hand doesn't count. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, uh, it, it's it's a good question, uh, and sometimes you get guys that. I guess show up and you recognize them in the draft uh, that like Mike Ford. I, I really like Mike Ford that draft. Um, and so I kind of, he was one of my sleeper guys heading into that season. Uh, but then there's guys like Kevin Strong who show up like on day two or day three that you weren't expecting. And, and, and that's kind of how I feel this year. I, I don't really have a guy that I'm like, Oh, I, I, I want to watch him. I, I, I think he's, he's got a lot of potential. I'm, I'm kind of expecting another Kevin Strong type of emergence from somebody. Like when those pads come on, how do things change? Does all of a sudden, um, when everyone else slows down, does somebody else speed up? Um, so I don't have a, a name that I think really stands out to me. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm more expecting it to happen. Um, like I said, uh, you know, sometime by this time next week, I, I expect to have a guy though. Well, I, I have a kind of a follow up question to that, Eric. And in the sense that do you attribute, they're not really being one of those guys this year due to kind of just the huge roster turnover and change that's, you know, that's kind of 
taking place under Brad Holmes right now in terms of there's so many new players on the back end of this roster. Yeah, I think for certain, right? Um, there's there's so many different players that you know you're expecting to step up. It, it's very possible someone doesn't, and then that creates opportunities. And, and now all of a sudden, you get a guy that you, you know wasn't on your radar that all of a sudden is. Like for example, Tavante Beckett, the linebacker, uh, UDFA mm-hmm. linebacker. Like he's a guy no one is really talking about uh, right now, but he also. Uh, was running with like the second team at one point in OTAs because of uh, you know Derek Barnes wasn't in there and and when you look at the um, the UDFA bonuses like the receive the three receivers got the highest ones but then Beckett was the next guy he got he got the next highest bonus out out of the rest of the UDFA group and that's you mentioned it earlier Jeremy it's not or uh, you and Ryan both talked about the fact that the, the linebacker group is not fully settled and that kind of fifth linebacker might be asked to contribute and you never know where that's going to come from. And Beckett's a guy who has shown he can play special teams in college. He, uh, when Dan Campbell talked about the fact that if you're 220 pounds, but you can run, you can make it. Well, Beckett's the guy who's 220 pounds at linebacker on this roster. So like there's some hints there that Beckett could be a guy that like all of a sudden, you know, you're not expecting much of him. Uh, but then again, this time next week, we're being like, hey, Beckett's in the mix, you know, and so something like that could definitely show up. Yeah, all all really good points. And, and I, uh, I appreciate the question, John. I, I kind of want to lead it into uh, another question that I actually got via DM last week that I forgot to address. Um, and that's health, because um, that's usually a storyline going into training camp is who's healthy and who's not healthy. And it's kind of interesting because unless I'm mistaken, we don't expect anybody necessarily to miss training camp. I mean, usually something pops up, right? Like someone's going to start the season on the, the NFI list or, or the pup list. And, and maybe that just means they're, they miss a, a, a week of practice or a day or two of practice and they're not in shape, that sort of stuff. But unless I'm, I'm mistaken, like basically we're talking to Hunter Bryant, who's, you know, already on a reserve list anyway. So he's not technically even on the 89 roster. There's no one entering the season with, with a major injury yet, unless I'm mistaken, right, Eric? No, we, yeah, we ended spring camp looking at the roster that only had like four or five people not participating. Uh, Austin Bryant was being held out and um, he, I think would be the, the real question mark. Sure. Um, if you recall, Jalen Reeves Maben uh, twisted his ankle in the second or third to last practice, but again, they were just keeping him out for precautionary reasons. Um, Akuda and Ratley bumped noggins, and so they were kept out, but again, that was just laceration, so they should be fine. Uh, Tracy Walker was kept out uh, of the last practice or two, if I uh, last one, I believe. Um, but again, the, it wasn't. It was just um, a simple like kind of rest thing. So there was nothing like overly glaring outside of Austin Bryant because we don't really know what caused him to have to sit and he has such a long history of being injured and then taking time to recover that he's the one player that I think we need to be accounting for. Yeah, I think that's fair. And and yeah, it'll be interesting to see if, if anyone does show up on those list, if Austin Bryant does, oof, um, that that's going to be rough. I think Lions fans are going to jump on him immediately and you already have. That. Yes, <laughs> they are. Right. They already have. They, yeah. they already have. That's fair. Yeah. To say. Um, all right, let me let me dig back into the questions. We're we're running a little low here. I don't know if it's the early start time or people maybe we've just answered everybody's questions. Um we, we also can dig back into the Devontae Adams and, and Aaron Rodgers stuff because we have a couple questions in our chat from that as well. Um but let me let me go to the, the website a little bit because I feel like they feel like they get short sometimes. Um Ulysses Norris asks how many of this year's draft class will be getting first team reps in training camp? Let's Two. do a little math here. Two? Just two? Yeah, right? uh, well, I guess, I mean, you can count McNeil as three because of, right, if, yeah. if he's a base, right? Like, you're going to get Sewell is going to get first team reps. St. Brown's going to get first team reps. Those are basically locked in. McNeil's going to be your starter at nose. So if you're looking, if you're counting a base, then yeah, McNeil makes three. Um, Onzerike uh, could get in there, right? Um, overhand. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's four. But I, I, I still think. 
when you're looking at a positional a position that rotates the the coaches tend to lean with the veteran uh in the rotation early sure. so uh, yeah. that's why i still think hand is technically going to be the starter even if he doesn't see more snaps so yeah i mean it depends on if you count mcneil's part-time nose yeah. tackle role as a full-time starter rep or not if you do then it's three and with the potential to go to four do you think uh Ali mcneil is there from day one like yeah. yeah you do mm-hmm. interesting not a john penicini fan huh it's not that I'm not a John Penasini fan. It's that McNeil is just that good. Like, and he does and he can exactly what he they doesn't want. need to do yet. Yeah, because, well, yeah. He, uh, at Mc- times he will. At right. times he will. Like, the, but McNeil's ability. Okay, McNeil's primarily going to be a one gapper, but his ability to two gap is greater than Penasini's ability to one gap. Right. right. So when you look at the collective skill set, McNeil's farther ahead than Penasini is. Fair enough. Um, all right, we do have a caller back on the line. Oh, we've got a bunch. I missed them all. Uh, Michael is back on the line. Michael, how you doing, buddy? Hey, guys. Thanks for getting me back in. No um, problem. I, I, have a, it's, I have what may be a slightly a hot take, but I see a clear path to us being the 20, not this season, but the next season, NFC North champions and possibly Super Bowl champions. Now, hear me out. We identify eight clear NFL caliber starters on defense this season, wherever that shakes out at. So we ha- we add two or three in the draft next year, and we've got a middle of the road, ten to fifteen ranked NFL defense. Now on the offense, we know the O line should be top five. I've got a lot of faith in the tight end room, top ten. Running back room, I'll be generous, top five. So really, we're <laughs> quarterback wide receiver. Now we know that Aaron Rodgers is a spiteful kind of guy. So he retires this year. He oh boy. comes back next year as a lion. We, fit, we, we have a boatload of, uh, of uh, cap space next that year. We bring in Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers on our offense. Boom, it's fixed. Top five Super Bowl champions. <laughs> as, an alter, as an alternative, Tom Brady, we, may, as, we already know Tom Brady's made a deal with the devil. Now, we also know that he does not like being second on anything. So he's the second quarterback to win Super Bowls with two separate teams. So next year when he is a free agent, he, a University of Michigan man comes home to Michigan and leads Detroit to the, pro, to the promised land. Either way, we're Super Bowl favorites in two years. What do you think about that? <laughs> First of all, I love it, and I'll, I'll have whatever you're having. Uh I mean, I, I don't, I don't really think either of those two are necessarily realistic. I'm sure Aaron Rodgers has heard some things about the Lions organization and might not want to come here. Uh, but, but I mean, who knows? You, you, well, I, I guess the the big issue with Aaron Rodgers coming to Detroit is it's clear like he has to be traded by Green Bay. He, he's not going to choose where he gets to go necessarily, and I don't think Green Bay is going to do that. But. Um, I don't know. Is is are either of these scenarios like at all within the realm of possibility for you guys? No. 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 <laughs> like, <laughs> like it's fun. It's fun fan fiction. This is. I mean, Michael truly believes that it's five o'clock somewhere, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I guess, like to his earlier point, like identifying like starters on the defense that are like NFL caliber players and moving into next season. I think that's going to be really important to kind of go back to, you know, Eric's point that he made about the saints and their, their past defense um, and how that was kind of built over the course of, you know, a couple of seasons with Aaron Glenn uh, coaching up those defensive backs. I I think it's, I I think that's a really interesting um, thing to think about is like how many starters do you think that the Lions will be able to carry over from this year to next year? Because that's the true mark of whether or not progress is being made um, on this roster, especially during the Brad Holmes retool. Yeah. And and I think, I think it's a, it's a good point to be made too, because I, I do, I, I think I share in, in the thought that this team could make a significant jump on defense next year. Like, I I don't think it's going to happen this year. Um, but, but yeah, like if they, if they get Okuda into, into being a starter and, and, 
and find a guy in the linebacking room that, that can be a starter and, and continue to develop that defensive line that, that looks like it's starting to actually come together. Same with the offensive line. Like, it might not be top five this year, but but I, I'm with Michael. Like, it, it could be a top five unit next year. And so, you know, they, they could make a significant jump next year. I'm not ready to call them, you know, Super Bowl contenders because of the issues Michael laid out. Like, we don't know what the quarterback situation is going to be like. We don't know what the wide receiver situation is going to be like. Um, and I, I wish a solution like just bringing in Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers would work, but um, Aaron Rodgers is, is not going to happen. It just it, it, it literally can't because even if he retires and tries to come back, the Packers own his rights. They're not going to trade him to the Lions. But um, a Tom Brady falling in the lap, you know, I think the Lions tend to be like, oh, you know, come back to Michigan where it all started. Um, no, I, I, I mean, it, I guess it theoretically could happen, but um, – I don't know. We'd have to. We'd have to. We'd have to have a front office that it would also believe like this team is ready to compete for a Super Bowl right away. And I don't know if that's that's where this team is going to be at next year. Tom Tom Brady's a Cali boy. Let's be honest. Like, if, he's, <laughs> if, he, if he's going anywhere, it's going to be like San Francisco. <laughs> Eric, anything to add? No, I I, I think the, the how many starters carry over on defense is a, is a really good question. Um, it, it, you, they've invested in the line. Uh, they have the the edges invested in for the next couple of years as well. If they're willing to to um, you know absorb Trey Flowers' contract for the next couple of years, you have good depth at corner that are also you know signed for for a while as well. Uh, but yeah, the 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 real issue becomes: Do you have a starting nickel? And if you do, you're going to have to extend them. And then both safety spots. You know, Tracy yeah. Walker is the one starter, but his contract is up. And so Marlowe's on a one-year deal. Harris is uh, an unproven guy. So the safeties might not carry over. The nickel might not carry over. The linebackers might not carry over because Collins is going to have a big cap number. Anzalone is only in his – he's only on a one-year deal as well. So, you know, you may uh, – hopefully you're having Derek Barnes step up to one of those spots, but you could still have a linebacker spot. So there's still four plates, four spots that, you know, a year from now that could be problematic that – Unless you can, unless somebody steps up and you're able to resign them, um, you're still going to have holes in this defense that you're going to have to replace, and and that'll be a big uh, a big point of discussion uh, going into the next offseason. I, I, Jeremy, can I put Eric on the spot real quick? Yeah, you should probably ask him, not me. No, no, no. You're you're the editor in chief. Um, <laughs> no, uh, I, actually, I don't know who. I I guess I answer to both you guys. What the hell? Um, but, uh, so. So Eric, you, you mentioned yeah. Tracy Walker this, yeah. this potentially being his last year. Like if, if Tracy Walker shows you something, like, like let's have that be like the baseline for his production this year. Tracy Walker shows you something. Like he, he's back to kind of like thriving in his in his old role. What is Tracy Walker worth to you in terms of extending him? I, I think it really depends on how well he fits in. Right. Yeah. The better he fits in, the more that price is going to go up. Yeah. Um, I don't think he's going to be in that like so for the Saints just franchise tagged uh Williams, right? right. I don't think he's mm-hmm. gonna be in that conversation. Um right. for him to be in the franchising type of conversation, he would have to have like a Pro Bowl season, right? Like like um, four or five picks just ball hawking all over the place, making yeah. plays, yeah. Yeah, like, and you're a grading in the top five in PFF, and like he'd have to have a tremendous season because this would be the only one that he will have had that much success. So, you know, instead you're probably looking at a guy who's um, making anywhere from like if he has a good season, like a good season that that yeah. they're saying we're, we want to invest to you. You're talking like five to eight million. Um, over four years, you know, then you give that to him each year over four years, uh, is realistic. If again, he has a good season, if he, if he has an average season, then you're going to get him for less. And, and I still think that they may still see something in him long term that they want to in, invest in. But I mean, I, I think the potential's there. So I would be willing to, to, ex, to give him an extension, uh, after a productive season or even an average season. But yeah, it's, it's hard to project the price right now just because his track record isn't great because of the last coaching staff. And, and then you also have some other things going on too, right? Like the cap. Like if mm-hmm. the cap goes back up, I mean, John Johnson, somebody who got three years, 33 million, obviously Tracy Walker isn't in his, yeah. um, you know, in his neighborhood when it comes to playing, maybe not even in the same zip code, but like if he does take a step, maybe you see something like you said, like around like eight, maybe nine, nine million a year or something like that. 
Yeah, if you took a big step, I'd say eight nine is his ceiling. Yeah, uh, probably maybe I, I'd be more inclined to say eight. Mm-hmm. Okay. <clears throat> All right. Thanks for the question, Michael. Um, we probably really only have time for a couple more questions, and, and suddenly we have a, a full queue. But uh, let's let's try to work through as many as we can here. Uh, Brett is on the line. Oh, Brett, hey how's it going, bud? All right. Can you guys hear me? Yep. Okay. Um, you guys might have addressed this in the past, and but I haven't seen anything, and it's been going on like a month and a half. What is going on with the 90th roster spot? <laughs> they, they have left it vacant since, what, early June? Yeah. Um, I can't remember exactly what the, the, the move that, that kind of left that open was. But, um, yeah, I mean – I, I think the the big speculation, you know, is running back, right? Like, you know, obviously the Todd Gurley stuff has been going on for a while and he hasn't signed anywhere yet. Um, but, but do you guys have an idea? Like, there's really no point in entering without filling that spot. And obviously there's no hurry to do it when no one's inside the building during the offseason and, and everyone's on vacation and all things like that. But um, do you guys ex- do you guys expect them to fill that 90th spot before Wednesday? I think so. I mean, I, I think you'd want to go into Wednesday with, with all 90 guys there. Um, now, whether or not, I, I think I think Eric and, and you and, and me, we've all kind of talked about whether or not that position is going to end up probably being running back or safety. Like, it seems like those are the two clear, like, front runners in terms of where they could stand to use some depth. And, I mean, if you're following the... You know, if you're, if you're following the, the footprints, obviously the Todd, Todd Gurley thing still kind of, like hovers over anything that happens with that 90th roster spot. What do you think? Eric? Yeah, yeah I, I don't have a whole lot to add to that. I think Gurley is the the reason that they've kept it open, but I could see them going another rate, another way to fill it. Um, one thing to keep in mind is that just less than three weeks after training camp starts, they're already having to cut their roster down as well. So maybe keeping that extra guy isn't, you know, they're just, they just want that flexibility right now. The, the one thing, I'll add to the conversation here is I, I kind of think back to the quote from rookie minicamp where they decided not to have a quarterback and Dan Campbell said something to the like of, we're not just going to bring a guy in here to fill bodies. Like we're not just going to bring in a guy who has no chance of making the team. That's a waste of everybody's time. So I think there's maybe a chance that they're like, well, we don't really see anybody worthy of that 89, that 90th spot right now. So why waste the spot and just give reps to the guys who we think that are on the team that actually has a chance to make it to the team or making the practice squad. Okay. Yeah. I, I got, I, I, cause as soon as Cam Akers went down, I was like, if they were holding that spot for Todd Gurley, I don't think they're getting them now, but all right. Thanks guys. Appreciate yeah, it. No problem. All right. We'll do our final call here with, uh, with David, David, thanks for joining the show. How you doing? Good. How you doing guys? Appreciate good, good. you having me on, man. No problem. So, I'm going to do a little getting the time machine, way back machine here. I'm going to go back and look at November 19th of 2018. Chiefs play the Rams. Somehow they pull it out. Rams pull it out 54-51 with Goff leading the charge. Now, obviously, we're far removed from that season of Goff at this point in time. Um, but my question to you is how far away is our team from replicating, like let's say Goff, pulls it back, becomes the player that he has, you know, was at that time period. How far away is our team or what are we missing? What holes are we really missing from our team to kind of replicate that spark that he had back in uh, 2019 or 2018? Oof. The first thing that comes to mind is a, is a little hole the size of Aaron Donald, but maybe that's not fair to, to Jared Goff. Um, uh, Ryan, you, you got you got an answer there? Yeah, I, I think there's a nightcrawler sized hole. Like where where's like I, and even if the Lions do end up signing Todd Gurley, it's not it's not the same Todd Gurley he had in twenty eighteen. Um right. but uh in terms of how far away this roster is from, from, from that Rams roster, I mean you you'd have to think that they're missing at least one elite outside receiver and maybe that's Devontae Adams. Come on, let's do it. <laughs> let's do it. Let's get crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Erica, what, what do you think? Is, is this team is this team within striking distance of that Rams 2018 team? Maybe in a, in, a, in a year or two. Yeah, I mean, look, I think if you're looking at individual games in the NFL, you can see 
these types of individual games happen anytime, right? Look at sure. week three of uh, Patricia's first year when he beat the Patriots. Like, there's no way that that should ha- have happened, right? And so I think we can see these, we could see flashes of it, but I don't think we're going to see consistency uh, for a couple of years. Fair enough. Fair gotcha. enough. All right, David. Yeah, appreciate I guess I the was question. really wondering, like, what? Oh, sorry, go ahead. No, no, no. Fin- finish your question. Go ahead. I was just interested in seeing, like, okay. In regards to that, where was the weighted value of what players had the most impact? Specifically, like in that game, like obviously Goff was a big part of it, but they had, I think they had some defensive scores in that game as well. And I know that, that you, Aaron Donald's not something you can go and just replace, you know, yeah. but like almost like a, a, a mini list cast. Like what would be the three <laughs> things that would bring us back to the, like relevancy if they could find, okay, in the next year or two, what are the three major things they need to focus on to get us back to that spark? If, yep. if, that's a big if, if Goff <laughs> brings it back. Right. Yeah, Goff had four touchdowns. Ubukam had two defensive touchdowns for them. I think he had a pick six and a fumble recovery for a touchdown, if I recall. Yeah, I mean, to, yeah, and I guess to answer the question, like, I, I think I would go with Ryan in that you need a, a number one type receiver. Brandon Cooks had 107 yards in that game, and obviously he was a big reason for, for Goff's success in, in Los Angeles. Um a premier pass rusher. I don't care what position he plays. Um, what, I, did, I, what did Todd Gurley do that game? Todd Gurley only had 55 rushing yards. What about receiving yards? 39. So you're telling me we just need DeAndre Swift. Sweet. Hey, we're a lot closer than I thought. <laughs> okay. <laughs> One of three pieces. Uh, but Yeah, I mean, uh, an established running game certainly would help, but I don't think it's necessary. I don't think it's necessary. Um I think you can succeed in this league without one. Um, so I would say a number one receiver, uh, an elite pass rusher. I, you know, Romeo Quar is doing good things, but he's not an elite pass rusher where, you know, he's just causing offensive linemen stress during the entire week lead up to the game. And then, I don't know. I mean, I I tend to be a, a defensive playmaker guy. And, and even though this game was 54 to 51, there were a lot of big defensive plays in this game as well. So so if Okuda can can, I think, come into his own and be a lockdown corner. I think those three pieces would be the three key pieces to, to kind of be that contender level team that they could take down a, a behemoth like Kansas city. Cool. Anything Thanks I'm missing? Lot, guys. I appreciate it. No problem, David. Is there anything that I missed from that list, Eric or Ryan? Or are we done? No, Do I, we... I think we're ready to ride out. I think it's, it's time for training camp, baby. Love to hear that. All right. Well then with that, We'll close things out here. There will be a training camp preview podcast Monday night live on our Twitch channel. It'll be up on the podcast feed Tuesday morning. But until then, for Ryan, for Eric, thank you all for joining us this time. Join us next week on the Spotify Green Room app. Until then, it's chaos. Be kind. to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.